Welcome into the Illini Cast, part of the Big Banter Podcast Network. I'm Austin Berkland, alongside co-host Sonny Verma, and we just had a Valentine's Day, and Illinois gave us the biggest, this, the biggest and sweetest gift is a win over the Michigan Wolverines, and Brad Underwood still undefeated against Juwan Howard. Sonny, initial thoughts on that Illinois win over Michigan. I mean, I talked about it uh, on the post-game show with uh, Cody. It's We needed a, a win like that. You know, like even uh, over the last handful of games, uh, wins and losses, they've been kind of tense. You know, where we're, we're coming out of the games, even the games we win against like Ohio State, we win, but we don't exactly look all that impressive. And then, I mean, let's be honest, you know, we know Michigan is a bad team, but more than that, it's that seven and no record against Joan Howard. You you just don't want that to snap because, like, uh, even the the morale of the fan base would have dropped a bit if that had fallen. So, you know, the fact that we can go eight and zero now against Joan Howard, uh, we don't know if we're going to play him again. Uh, you know, whether they make you know advance in the Big Ten tournament or whatnot, I can't see possibly how he lasts another year unless. Their ADs really just kind of clueless and not listening to his uh, fan base. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, I don't think my wife is watching this. Uh, this was the ultimate Valentine's Day present for someone <laughs> like myself. And uh, there's a reason I'm uh, grinning ear to ear. I mean, this was a game where with 448 left in the first half, it was 28 25 Illinois. And it turned into a 97. 68 victory where Terrence Shannon Jr. had 31 points, 48% from the three-point line as a team, and then 38 rebounds to 29. That's just domination uh, from the second half, and that's what you like to see. We haven't seen a lot of those step-on-the-throat moments for the Illini, and this was one of them, and this was an emphatic one, and it gives a lot of Illini fans some relaxation because we haven't seen that in a while. A long time, you know, I mean, when was the last time we saw a performance like this? That team on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, um, that team could beat almost any team in the country. When we're shooting like that, when Terrence Shannon, you know, we've talked about how Shannon, like every game by game, he's slowly getting his game back. The only thing really missing after that Michigan State game was uh, his ability to make those three-point shots. But even those are falling uh, against, you know, um, Michigan. So if he gets that back, we kind of get our alpha guy back, essentially Terrence. Terrence running down, you know, in transition, dunking the ball, um, making wide open threes. That just opens up a facet of our team, of our game on offense that, you know, I know our defense is struggling, but essentially an imposing offense is going to have to play perfect basketball on that side of the court in order to beat us. And, uh, you know, the vibes are good. The vibes are good. I mean, the last time that a domination game like this happened probably was Northwestern, that 96 to 66 win. And that was the one of the first games without Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, due to his suspension. So the fact that you got this with Terrence Shannon again it, it kind of uh, is like a resetting point for the Illini. So I, I think this is huge going into a stretch of Maryland, Penn State, Iowa, and then, of course, ending this season with Wisconsin and Purdue. I mean, this is a game that 
is just such a confidence builder that can do wonders uh, for a game against Maryland. I mean, the Big Ten might be out of the question now with the way Purdue's uh, playing. And, you know, Purdue looks like I just got the final score. They did end up beating Minnesota uh, by about eight points today. They were down uh, early in that game. But, you know, Purdue's the best team in the conference. It's okay just to just kind of admit that and say it. But that double buy in that Big Ten tournament is so important. And, you know, I know Wisconsin just won their last game, but they seem to be floundering a little bit. Um, Northwestern receiving that news about Ty Berry being out for the rest of the season. That's going to hurt them. We they just, just need- lost today as well. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Um, they did lose to Rutgers by, which by the way, how lucky are we to have our two games of, with Rutgers out of the way already? <laughs> Absolutely. They, they are a team that's like a fine wine. They get better with age. And if you can get them early on, then you are doing something great. Because we've seen Rutgers, even with a different coach, last game of the season, that's not a time when you want to go to the rack or form- the arena formerly known as the rack because that's where problems arise uh, for the visiting team. And it's the return of Jeremiah Williams. You know, like as he's been back for four games, and for four games, Rutgers has played like a legit NCAA team. Now, I mean, is it too late? Yeah, probably. But... You know, when you think about next year, when you have uh, Williams uh, and those two recruits with Baldwin, I think it was, and like Dylan Harper or something like that, two top three guys coming in, Rutgers is just going to be a really, really good team next year. And, you know, they I think they've got a game against Purdue coming up, which, you know, obviously, again, Purdue's Purdue, but Steve Peichel's a really good coach, and that team is on fire, and they're feeling super confident right now. So they're they're a team to watch. Um I- I mean, if Michigan State is on the bubble at an eight and six conference record, Rutgers is only at six and seven. If they can cobble some victories in a row, they might be a team that can uh, steal a bid from the likes of Michigan State if they keep uh, winning. And Michigan State is does their whole roller coaster of a season like they have. I mean, the possibilities are endless for Rutgers. Still, I'm not saying they're out, but uh, of course they need to win. But my goodness, they're on the right track. And not even Michigan State. I'm mean, like, well, what led us to uh, this conversation to begin with, with Northwestern, you know, losing one of yep. their best players. Um, they lost today. We don't know if this is going to be a season killer for them. You know, if they all of a sudden start struggling, struggling a little bit. I mean, uh, Boo Booey can only play one on five for so long before, you know, he gets tired. So, um, you know, Big Ten is the Big Ten. We get, you know, some teams into the tournament sometimes based on name alone. And if the Rutgers program can just kind of continue this momentum that they have, and if they can pull off an upset in a game like, uh, like Purdue, you know, I know, I think they play Minnesota next Minnesota just played Purdue uh, pretty, pretty strongly uh, tonight. Who knows, you know, they might be able to sneak in, but you know, from the, I was listening to uh, a Rutgers spaces earlier today by Aaron Brightman, a friend of the show, and they're talking about how they'd even be content with an NIT appearance this year just because, you know, they've had such low expectations from the start of the season. But, um, yeah, I digress. Uh, the original point, to bring it back to the Illini, uh, let's get that top four seat. Let's, uh, you know, the double buy is so important, especially the Big Ten tournament where it's so physical and teams are beating up on each other. I want to be as well-rested as possible. Not that I care too much about the Big Ten tournament, 
Um, if I'd love, I wouldn't mind having another shot at Wisconsin or uh, Purdue um, if we do lose to them that final week. But I want our team to be as well rested as possible for March Madness the following week, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, this was a get-right game for the Illini, and I think there's no player that epitomized that more than Quincy Garrier. Ten points, he was 4-for-4 four four from the field, 2-for-2 two two from behind the three-point line, and seven rebounds. This was almost like a vintage Quincy Garrier game from earlier on in this Illini basketball season, so it was nice to see that Quincy show up. Coleman Hawkins did great, 17 points, and then Mark Stomask had 13 points as well. Did struggle from from a foul perspective. He did have four, but my goodness, Quincy Garrier, the spotlight was on him so much, and he delivered uh, against Michigan. So good work uh, by Quincy and getting his mind right and body right. Whatever he did worked, and if Illinois is going to be successful down the stretch in the Big Ten, He's going to have to play a crucial factor in that, especially with Amani Hansberry's injury. I mean, if Quincy's shooting like that, you know, it was disappointing because obviously when Shannon initially went out, we didn't really lose a step offensively because we're still playing our style of offense, but Quincy wasn't hesitating. He would just launch the threes from the corner spot and they'd hit nothing but net. And that just kind of helped make our offense so dangerous. Then ever since that fall, you know, he just he hasn't been the same player, both defensively and offensively. But you again, we saw him come back and be the old Quincy uh, against Michigan. And that's what we need. He wasn't afraid to get down and physical uh, on the defensive end. And on offense, he had no hesitation shooting those three. So, I mean, is does that mean Quincy's back? If Quincy's back, we already you know, we haven't even talked about Terrence Shannon. I'm sure we're about to talk about him in a second. But is this the title of the episode? Is Quincy back? <laughs> I mean, honestly, like that that should be the title. If he's back, that changes everything for the Illini from the Purdue game and the Wisconsin game and then the NCAA tournament. That's such a matchup nightmare when he's right. Uh so I mean, that's that that is the most valuable person on this Illini basketball court, not named Terrence Shannon. I think he is just that vitally important with his minutes. Because you're talking about at that point, I mean, the way he was playing uh, through what, I guess you can say the first week of January, like the writers were actually talking about him possibly making a third team all Big Ten in the conference. You know, him playing to this level, Shannon playing to the returning to the level that he was before um, the drama with him started. You're talking about four or five guys on the team that could throw in 20 points with very minimal effort, you know, like it's just, you, you won't know on any given night who to guard, like this Michigan game, Damask did very little. He was very, barely noticed in that game, yeah. but he didn't need to be because Shannon, it was Shannon's day. You know, it was Quincy's day. Coleman Hawkins had a fantastic game, both on offensively and defensively. It's, we have a good, quantity number of high quality basketball players and if Quincy's playing like Quincy was in the beginning of the year well that just adds another card to our deck that just makes us all the more dangerous speaking of get right Justin Harmon 22 minutes four for six from the field eight points one turnover had a few rebounds as well I mean that is what you like to see from uh, Justin Harmon 
in those minutes. Uh, four for six from the field. That's just awesome to see from him. A guy who can be a volume shooter and it not work out so well for him. For him to see the ball go through the net. That's got to feel good for Justin Harmon after a, a few games of a, of a cold streak there. And minutes-wise, Ty Rogers, 26 minutes. Luke Goody, 14. I mean, uh, that's kind of growth from Brad Underwood there, showcasing uh, more faith in Ty Rogers. I know the score uh, didn't really put pressure on Ty Rogers, but still, the minutes that you you like to see those minutes for Ty Rogers be in the 20s. And imagine my face when I saw Brad Underwood clearing the bench with nine minutes left in the game. I'm already. I think we had like 12 or 13 players play against Michigan, which you know it's unheard of. Max Williams played in this game, which is just unreal. Nico Moretti had eight minutes in this game. I mean, that's what you want to see. That's a jug inning, as Joe Madden used to say. That's whenever you know you hit the jugular when AJ Red is getting two minutes in the game. So. Kudos to the Illini for allowing these guys to get some moments and get some shine at the State Farm Center uh, the day before Valentine's Day. I feel like we've gone 14 minutes and haven't given Terrence Shannon his proper due uh, <laughs> on his performance against Michigan. Uh, you know, for me personally, I'm kind of sad because anytime Shannon plays against the Wolverines, betting on his overs uh, for points and assists and rebounds is always just one of the safest bets in college basketball. Um, especially after his old transfer drama, I feel like he kind of steps it up a notch uh, against the As Wolverines. As Jawan Howard said, you're welcome post game about sure. Terrence Shannon Jr. Like, come on. Come on, Jawan. Read the room. <laughs> your fans are already upset with you and you're talking about guys who just torched you like, yeah, I could have had him. Well, okay. Well you don't have him. So why rub it in your own fan bases uh, faces? It, but, it was like the Bruce Weber moment when Bruce said, I wish I coached guys like Robbie Hummel. It's like, well, <laughs> you didn't get Robbie Hummel. He was on Purdue. Okay. Yeah. So learn to play with the players that you have coach and, Jawan Howard learned that lesson. I think he sees the writing on the wall that this is his last year as the Michigan Wolverines coach, which is kind of crazy to see that Jim Harbaugh and Jawan Howard, both tried and true Michigan men, won't be on the sidelines of their team coming up in the class of 2025. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question, though, about Shannon. Like, are you officially done worrying about him, or do you still want to see another couple of games where? you're fully confident that the Terrence Shannon that we saw early in the season, which, uh, you know, folks were talking about giving Edie a run for his money when it comes for national player of the year. Um, like if, if that Shannon is back or you still need to see a couple more games, I need to see it against a dominant opponent. I need to see it against either Wisconsin. I know they're barely hanging on in the top 25 or Purdue because even with uh, the likes of the teams that Illinois played, Marquette, Tyler Kolek outplayed Terrence Shannon Jr. And Marquette won 71-64. FAU, that was a Marcus Tomask game with, where he scored 31 points in Madison Square Garden. And then against number 17, Tennessee, Dalton Connect kind of ate everybody's lunch in that game. So... I need to see it against a dominant opponent to make me feel 
a little bit more confident in March and in the NCAA tournament. So if I can see that against a dominant opponent, I think then I will officially be out of the Terrence Shannon worry meter, at least like a, like a lot like this. Like right now I'm about 10% worry. Then after one of those games, I'll be at about 2%, you know? Okay. So 10% isn't too bad, but uh, I mean, we have a game coming up on Saturday against Maryland. I think it's a 4.30 local time game. That is a weird start time. It's national, right? I think it's on Fox. Yep. Fox has their uh, CBS-style broadcast now that college football's over. So they have some national uh, relevant games going on on their actual network. So Maryland, obviously, they've struggled this year. But one of their high points of the season was... A victory over us in Champaign. Uh, they just, I believe yesterday, were down to Iowa, but then had a strong comeback and win. Uh, they're riding pretty high right now. They essentially need to win out in order to make the tournament. Uh, they've got talented players. I think they're, I'm pretty sure they're Big Ten preseason number three uh, by the media. So, you know, the talent is there. And let's just let's just be completely honest. The thing we're both worried about most is Brad Underwood just struggles against Maryland. Do you carry yeah, over mean, any of those worries for Saturday? I mean, you hope not. You hope this is a a weird coincidence and that kind of ends uh, on Saturday in Maryland because this is a team that lost in double overtime to Ohio State, who just fired their head coach. They lost to them on February tenth. They lost to Rutgers on February 6th. They lost to Michigan State on February 3rd. Uh, and then they beat they beat Nebraska pretty handily in late January. So if this is a team that Illinois loses to, even on the road, even though the Big Ten like, teams struggle on the road, this is a game where you got if you put even five of the seven pieces together, you should walk out of Maryland a winner. Uh, so this is a huge test on Brad Underwood to just say, guys, take care of business, do what you can do, and then you'll win this game and we'll move on. Uh, but against Maryland, that just hasn't happened. So hopefully it happens on Saturday. It's just tough because Maryland is the type of team that's built to give us trouble. You know, they have Julian Reese uh, down low, and then they have – you know, potential all Big Ten first team guard in Jameer Young. So, I, I mean, I wish I was resting easy. Um, you know, I've enjoyed the last couple of days uh, riding high from that Wolverines win, but I do want to see it again. And if we're able to, I mean, you know, yeah, we've struggled again against Maryland, but we've also struggled at the rack this year, or in seasons past. And this year we had no trouble against Rutgers. Again, the previous iteration of Rutgers, but uh, we already talked about that. So let's just do that again with Maryland. If we have a nice, solid win at Maryland on Saturday, then officially you can say I'm, you know, I'm not on the edge anymore about where the season can take us. Uh, whether we can, you know, make it to the Final Four or not, I don't know. But right now, at least uh, based on the endings of that Nebraska game and the ending of that Michigan State game where 
you know, the Nebraska game, I think was the final four minutes of what the heck is going on. And with Michigan state, we almost, we had that game in hand with about seven minutes left. And then we just stopped playing offense and let them score at will at the hoop. You know, obviously that, that was a cause of concern, but the way we performed against Michigan, you know, and uh, Brad Underwood talked about in the press conference that that particular week, they spent 100% of their attention working on defense. They identified something and they worked on that and just that. They worked on, what do you call it? Uh, That they were being too soft. I think those were the words that he was using. So now was that fixed against Michigan or is just Michigan really, really bad? And so they weren't able to take advantage of, uh, you know, what the other teams were exploiting. I think we're going to kind of get an answer to that uh, on Saturday against Maryland. Yeah, you'd like to think it would be a blend of Illinois just getting tougher on the defensive side and Michigan being that bad. I I would like to think it would be a combination, but this will be a true test of that against Maryland. So looking, looking ahead to 2024 Illinois football Vegas has released their over and unders for Illinois football and we are at five and a half a little higher than I anticipated Vegas uh, being that confident in Illinois um, with the new schedule Um, but Sonny what are your initial impressions of five and a half I think that's the right number I think Vegas it, the under is juiced a little bit. I think I saw the under was at like minus 140. So that tells me, you know, obviously Vegas wants you to bet the under. under. So Vegas thinks that they're going to lose less than five and a half. I know, I already know where you stand. Uh, we've had a couple comments. I don't know if you've seen on our videos where you're like, the guy on the left is always a little negative and the guy on the right is pretty <laughs> positive. And I guess that's a pretty fair way to describe uh, our relationship as co-hosts of this show. Um, and that doesn't change here. I'll be honest. I, I think, you know, I've looked at the schedule. I'm not saying it's a guarantee that we get to six games, but I really think that, you know, I like some of the, uh, the two of the new hires. We have one left. Uh, we haven't really talked about it, but we'll save that for a future show. You know, some of the hires that Brett has brought in um, on defense, some of the, you know, the, um, transfers we brought in uh particularly on the offensive and defensive line i kind of i'm gonna put my faith in brett i think uh he'll make the necessary adjustments and uh in 2024 our fighting line i will go bowling i mean i know i have been extremely negative but the schedule does look bright in terms of a bowl game like eastern illinois that should be a win uh kansas I think that's a little bit of more of a Kansas lean, but being in Champaign, uh, that could change some things. Uh, Central Michigan, that should be when that's two right there. Um, I'm going to say two that are probably over 75% chance of winning. At Nebraska, probably not. At Penn State, probably not. Then you have a bye week, which is a great timed bye week for a home game against Purdue, which I think that's a win. That's three right there. That's a must Lose. win. Yes, absolutely. So for Illinois to ever make a bowl game again with the permanent rivalries, you just have to sweep Northwestern and Purdue win your couple bye games uh, in um, in the non-conference. Then, boom, you're at four right there. Then just figure two more out. Uh, but, yeah, Michigan and Ohio, Michigan and Oregon are next. 
I think those are both losses. But then I think you continue your dominance against P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. So that's one, two, uh, three, four right there. And then you have another great bye week with Michigan State, uh, which I think can be a win. So that's five. Then just figure one out against Rutgers and Northwestern, and there's six wins right there. Rutgers is tough because I think we play away that game. Yep. Um, so that I mean that might be a tougher game, but I think I'm not exactly all aboard this Northwestern train like everyone else seems to be. I really think that performance that they had last year was straight out of a Disney movie, and they might be facing some hard time uh, this next season. You know, now that the shine has worn off, uh, so we'll see. But you know, that's definitely a win that I or game that I think we can and should win. And by my math, then that would bring us to six. Um, yep. You know, I mean, who knows? Even, even earlier in the season, yeah, you know, Nebraska's got a lot of publicity, uh, you know, from their fan bases with their off season, like recruiting and transfers and bringing in that five star. But guess what? That five star is a freshman quarterback. And so, you know, catching a freshman quarterback relatively early in the season is when you want to, you know, play the guy. So, you know, we'll see if their defense takes a little step back. Who knows? You know, we might be able to sneak out with the win uh, uh, in Lincoln. We did the two years ago. So, you know, who knows? You might be able to pull that off. I know it's a Matt Rule second year jump that everyone's kind of banking on. But, uh, you know, I their over-under was seven and a half, which I I think is a little too high. But I think that's just that's one of those numbers that's juiced up like the Cubs and Notre Dame and Dallas Cowboys uh, numbers are always juiced up a little bit because they got such large fan bases that Vegas knows that they are always going to be optimistic and try to bet the overs on. Yeah, that Nebraska schedule toward the end of the season is kind of crazy hard. You have Ohio State on October 26th, then UCLA, that eases up. But then you have at USC in Los Angeles, then you have Wisconsin, and then Iowa uh, to end the year. I mean, that is a very tough three-game stretch that Nebraska drew right there. So I wouldn't be counting any chickens before you hatch if you're in Nebraska. Because obviously you have Coach Prime to early on in the season, and that could destroy all of Nebraska's confidence because that's the one thing about Nebraska is that they come in with a world of fire, then they have their one major loss, then it all comes crashing down to the floor for the Huskers. And that's been their formula year after year after year, no matter who the coach is, Bob Pelini, Scott Frost, uh, Mike Riley, the list goes on. That's that's how Nebraska gets got is they get one loss and they just don't have the mental fortitude to handle it. And we'll definitely go uh, team by team, uh, taking a look at everyone's over-unders and their schedules for an off-season episode when we're looking to kind of make some more content. And uh, by the way, if you guys have any more ideas, please let us know in the comments what you want to want us to talk about when it comes to Illinois sports or Big Ten sports or whatnot. Please like and subscribe, of course. But awesome. before we get going, I did want to talk to you about one more thing, and that was the midseason Naismith uh, player uh, list excluded a certain name, and that was Terrence Shannon juniors obviously he was on the preseason and uh he's had a great season so far you know at least on the court 
is this something where we as Illinois fans just kind of have to be resigned to seeing just acknowledging that despite you know the details that we seem to be more familiar with the national media is not really paying attention and he's just not going to even make you know the final lists for these things i mean the greatest ability is availability for these lists it feels like i mean carson wentz go back to 2017 i know it was an injury but he had the best season as a quarterback going into that final stretch of the year but he missed the final four games lost mvp so regardless of the innocence versus guilt thing whenever you miss that amount of time in a college basketball season when there are limited number of games it's not like the season is 82 games long like in the nba so every single game has to matter for these awards and for terrence to miss that amount of time even though how efficient he has been um, in the games that he's played in, I feel like it is fair to leave him off the list, uh, even though that the suspension might be um, ill-gotten. We'll we'll find that out once Terrence's actual court case happens. Um, But I think it is fair just simply because of the games played that he's he's had. So he's missed six games, I believe. Um, I guess my question to you, though, is do you think that's the reason that he's not on this list? Because my I, suspicion is uh, that's not the reason. I ultimately think so. Like, I don't think the Naismith voters are voting based on guilt or innocence at this point. I think they're firmly ba- voting based on who's played in the games, what games have they played in, and how have they performed? Like, if this was a Tyler Kolek versus Terrence Shannon, Tyler Kolek gets the vote for me. If this is Dalton Connect versus uh, Terrence Shannon Jr., Dalton Connect gets the vote for me. Um, so I think it is fair um, that he is off this list, regardless of the guilt and innocence. Um, I think it is based solely on availability of Terrence Shannon this season. Well, there you had have it for at least one topic. Austin's the more optimistic person. Uh, I, 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 I'm taking the negative slant. I think um, he's kind of been written off uh, any of the postseason awards. I mean, six games is a lot of games, but it's not a lot of games. You know, especially if he plays well the rest of the season and continues his performance. You know, playing at the level that he showed us against Michigan. But I guess you know my message. Uh, to, go ahead. I, I do think, though, it's a different six games. If you told me he missed, like, Fraley Dickinson, he missed, like, Colgate, he missed, like, these games that don't really matter, then I would say, yeah, those games obviously aren't. But he's missed six conference games, which is an absolutely large, substantial picture of who the best player is on a on an on a college basketball roster and in the country. So I I do think the timing of the games really matters in this kind of situation. Regardless, I will a uh, little message I do have for Illini Nation is if he's not on the lists at the end of the year, um you know, I've I've been seeing it today, you know, in the replies, "Hey, where's TSJ? Where's TSJ?" All you're kind of doing is giving other fan bases ammunition to get us triggered even more. Like, oh, well, this list doesn't allow the R word. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just say that. It's 
one of those where as a community, I really think that, you know, whether you're on Austin's side or my side, if you are more along the line of thinking of me, where you think he might be excluded on uh, this award list because of off the court issues, I think we just kind of have to let it be and got to let Shannon do his thing on the court. And we just got to come to understand that, you know, it's unfortunate and we're all bummed out about it, but don't let ourselves get triggered into getting into these online fights, you know, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter that I've been seeing, you know, particularly, you know, the fans from West Lafayette, you know, uh, Indiana, you know, when you're following and you're fanatic of a college sport, there's a lot of trash talk going on. And unfortunately, this is a topic where I don't know if trash talk is really warranted. And to me, I, I kind of get more disgusted by it. And so for me, it's just one of those where I just kind of sit back and relax and I'll talk to it about, you know, with you or a lot other Illini fans, but I just, listen. my, my word, let me just wrap up my words of advice yeah. to Illini fans is just don't get too concerned with it. It is what it is, but uh, let's just sit back and enjoy the last couple of weeks that we have Terrence Shannon in an Illinois uniform. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think I would go that deep with it. I mean, the best award that Terrence Shannon can can win is the miniature version of the national uh, title. Uh, that would be national title game MVP. Uh, another great award that he could get is All East uh, team. Whenever the uh, actual regions are announced, or All West team of the of of the of Illinois region. I mean, that's the awards that are truly going to matter um, at the end of the season because we all know who's going to win National Player of the Year. Yeah, that that award's locked up. It's going to be Zach Eady from Purdue. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts that's going to happen that Zach Eady can lose that award. So, I mean, it doesn't matter He'll, if coming in second versus coming in seventh. No one's going to care um, at the end of the year. So, just... Uh, let Terrence be the dominant player that he is in the NCAA tournament and some good awards will follow some good draft pick will follow. Um, and that's really going to make the difference between future recruiting and not, it's not going to be this uh, award that's already been locked up uh, for a long, long time. Look at that. When we record episodes later on at night, you become the positive Peter and I become the, negative sunny wow i i like to see the side of you austin i think it's because i got it i'm on the stanley revolution now uh, my mother-in-law <laughs> got this for me for valentine's day so uh pretty pumped about it so first i won't ask, I won't ask what's in there but uh is is it uh is it worth the hype it, yes it, it is definitely worth the hype it survives car fires which i've learned on tiktok uh so uh, I'll send you that TikTok. It's pretty incredible, um, but it's just water in here. Staying hydrated. Maybe hydration is the key uh, for me to be a little bit more positive because the uh, other drinks maybe maybe make me a little bit more negative. I guess. Uh, yeah, if I ever show my text messages from you, uh, the the audience would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever release the text messages it's like this is like Hillary Clinton or something or Donald Trump. Just no, no. let's keep those uh, in the cloud. <laughs> it's our secret. Sonny, uh, I appreciate uh, uh, you as a co-host uh, always. And 
thank you for watching live um, if you did on YouTube, but thank you for watching later on as well. So this has been the Atlanta cast, a part of the big banter podcast network. Uh, thank you, Sonny. Take care guys.